You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned afterward for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Well, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) My name is Terrence Green, and I have the honor of serving here at Mosaic as a deacon, and I am super excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here, but more than anything, I'm excited that Jesus is here. So let's pray and get in the word and see what God has for us. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you right now for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just have your way. I yield to you, Lord. I thank you for your anointing to minister your word with boldness, with accuracy, and with clarity. Lord, I thank you that you touch each and every one of us in this place. Slice and cut this word up however many unique ways it needs to be so that none of us leave out of here the same way in which we came in. And so, Father, we look to you in advance. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen, amen, amen. So we have been in a sermon series for the last several weeks on Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. And we've been looking at this idea of coming soon to a city near you. And so today, we're continuing in that, and we're picking it up in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. As I think about this particular text and passage of Scripture, I'm reminded about an experience that my wife and I had several years ago when we were at Hawaii, when we were in Hawaii. Um, I had a work conference there, and you know, poor me, got to go work in Hawaii. And after the conference, we said we would turn it into a little vacation. So after, you know, the the conference ended, we chucked the deuces to the conference hotel, and we went to a nice hotel, right? And at that nice hotel, we met one of my former professors, who is a mentor of mine. And my, my professor, he would come to Hawaii every single year in December and would stay there for several months. And at this new hotel, he, he knew he would stay at that hotel. And what he would do all throughout the year is he would go to similar hotels in that chain so he could rack up points. Or he would just get on a plane to go fly there so he can get some additional points. And he would pay extra money so he could get some additional points. So by the time he arrived in December, my man had a platinum, titanium, A++, 11AA status. And with this status, it gave him access into the secret lounge. So me and my wife, Brandilyn, we see him down in the lobby, and he said, are y'all coming to the secret lounge? We said, brother, we didn't even know that existed, for real? (laughs) But yeah, there was a secret lounge. And in this secret lounge, there was unlimited and abundance of of food. There was abundance and unlimited beverages. There even were these two swimming pools up there that overlooked the island. So this one particular day, he takes us up into the secret lounge and he goes even further. He gives us his extra key. He said, if if y'all are ever up here and I'm not with you, it's all good because you got my key that'll give you access. He went a step further. He introduced us to the brother who was running the whole secret lounge. And he said, if you see either one of them, they with me, so let them in. So now... Brandilyn, 
myself, and my professor, we all find ourselves in this place of abundance, this place of luxurious living. But here's the thing, we all were there, but we got there differently. He got there based on what he earned, what he merited, and what he paid for. We got there based on what he earned, what he merited, what he paid for, but he extended it to us and we received it. Come on here, somebody. We received it. Why? Because there was some, we didn't have no business there. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. But someone had went before us. Come on, somebody. Earlier that year, and have been racking up points, and have been racking up a status, and gave us access to it. So we accessed it, not based on what we've done, but based on what he has done. And this is what Paul is trying to get us to see in Ephesians. He spends the first three chapters telling you who you are and what you you have in Jesus, not based on you being a goody two-shoes, but based on what he has given to you. Woo! I'm warming up now. I'm feeling, I feel my helper. So now, what he's trying to tell us in the first three chapters is that we have a right standing with God that should produce a right living on the earth. And it goes that way. Your right standing should produce a right living. Your right living can't produce a right standing. You can do enough to live flawless. I've got the Beyonce song in my head. Flawless. You can live enough to be flawless to produce the right standing. There was only one who could live flawlessly to give you right standing, and that is Jesus. And so the question is, if we are to live out a right living that is rooted in a right standing, what does that look like? Paul has said, I'm glad y'all asked. So he picks it up in the fifth chapter, and we learn three things from this text. As children of God, we're called to live as children of love. Everybody say children of love. We're called to live as children of light. Everybody say children of light. And we're called to live as children of the song. We'll look at each of these in turn. We'll start with this first one, children of love. Uh, and I'll begin, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to spend the majority of my time on this one. We're going to go through the other ones, but just so you know, like, brother, still on the first point? Yeah, I'm telling you, the first one's going to be the longest one. All right, children of love, let's go into the text. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1, he says, therefore. Now, therefore is a transitional conjunction. That means you got to understand what the therefore is therefore. So you got to go back to chapter 4, even go back to chapters 1 through 3. What's the therefore there? The therefore is there because he told you who you are and what you have been given. And since you know who you are and what you've been given and that you have this right standard, he says, therefore. But now watch this. He says, therefore, be. This word be in the Greek literally means to become. It means to emerge. It means to grow into. It gives the picture of going from one point to another point. So check this out. He's saying, since you have this right standing, there's something that I want you to become. There's something I want you to live into. What is that? He says, therefore, be imitators. Now, the Greek word for imitators is translated to mimic, to copy, or to follow. Now, watch this. I feel like I'm getting some. Is it good? How about now? I feel like it's keep pulling on my. All right. 
He says, I want you to be. I want you to live into something. Well, what is it that he wants us to be? He wants us to be imitators, to be copiers, to be followers of God. Now, now check this out. In order to imitate someone, there's a couple things that you need. You need observation. You need to be able to see how they're moving. You need to be able to be able to pay attention to details. You need to be able to set your gaze on that which you are trying to imitate. You also need to be able to listen to what they're saying if they're communicating verbally so that you can pick up the cues and know when and what and how if you're trying to imitate. But the other thing you need is you need repeated practice. Every artist, every musician, every athlete will tell you you need repeated practice to learn how to mimic or imitate. I remember in the late 80s, I wanted to be Michael Jackson. And I tried that. I, I mimicked that moonwalk about 4,900 times because you got to get it just right. And he had the socks on. You got the, I ain't going to do it here, but it took, a, it took practice. But now check this out. This is why we have to spend time in the Word. This is why we have to spend time with, in prayer. This is why we have to spend time in godly fellowship. Why? Because it's hard to imitate a God that you've never experienced. And so you can end up imitating people who said they knew God, and so you turn into an echo and not a voice. Lord have mercy. You have a unique voice that God has given you that you don't have to be an echo, but you've got to imitate him, follow him, so you can live that out. But now check this out. He says, therefore, be imitators as dear children. The Greek word for dear is some places translated as beloved. It is the Greek word agapetos. It means divine love and covenant love. He says, as you are copying me, I need you to know that you are divinely loved. I need you to know that you have a covenant love to where you can live out what you couldn't do, but you're going to be able to live it out because you have my love on your life. Yeah. But no, that's not it. He says, be imitators of God as dear children. The Greek word for children there is technon. Technon literally describes an offspring that is fully dependent on the one that has given life. So he's saying this, get this, get this. I want you to live into, I want you to become, I want you to grow into copying God, mimicking God, following God. And how do I do that? I do it with a profound revelation that I am loved and I also realize that I am dependent upon him. I draw my strength from him to live out this life as a replica of Jesus. Yeah. And so what he said here, to be a child, a child of love, to be children of love, one of the first things Paul is going to teach us is that we have to live selflessly. Look at verse 2. Let's go back into the text. He says this, we're called to live selflessly. Look what verse 2 he says. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now watch this. He says, and walk in love. The Greek word for walk is a compound word. The prefix is peri, where we get words like perimeter, periphery, and the, the root word is pateo, which when you put the two, 
together, it means to walk around, around and walk. It means to walk around. So in other words, he's saying for you to live this life, there is, there, there is a path for you to tra traverse. There is something that I want you to walk out. I want you to live into. What is it? He said it is to walk in the love of God. And this is important. I, you know, I keep going back and forth to these Greek words because I want you to get the context of the original intentions in the heart of Paul writing it. And this may seem like semantics are small, but the word in, I-N in English is the Greek word E-N, which means with or within. So he's saying, I want you to traverse this life. I want you to walk around with the love of God, but also with the love of God on the inside of you. How? As Christ also loved us. Well, the question is, how did Christ love us? Paul said, I'm glad you asked, because I was just writing about that in the fourth chapter, the 32nd verse, and this is what he said. He said, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Everybody say forgiving. forgiving. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The word forgiving there is this compound Greek word that means favor that cancels. We live in a culture, you say one thing, you say one misstep, child, you cancel. And I ain't saying that people shouldn't, there shouldn't be justice. I'm not saying that because it should. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be responsible and accountable, but they should. And I'm saying you cannot freeze people in time. He said forgiving how? As Christ forgave us. In other words, Jesus canceled your offense, but he didn't cancel you. If Jesus would have canceled us based on our offense, it would be nobody up in this mug because none of us got what we deserve, but he didn't cancel us. He canceled the offense, and he said, I want you to mimic that. I want you to copy that. I want you to follow that. That's what I want you to grow into. As someone who has right standing with me, I want that to produce right living with people. So, in verse 2, he says he wants us to live selflessly. But now, guess what else he's about to teach us? It's not enough to just live selflessly. He's also calling us to live sacredly. Now, you got to get this part before I read the rest of the scriptures. You are sacred to God. You are so sacred that God moved out of the temples made with the hands of people and moved into the temple, your body made by the hands of God. Paul said, let me tell you, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, look what he says to them. Do you not know? Thinking of Biggie Smalls. If you don't know, well, now you know. He's about to tell you, now you know. Do you not know that your bodies are temples? Everybody say temples. temples. Of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God. You ain't your own sugar. You belong to God. But now watch this. Temples. Everybody say temples. The Greek word for temples is translated a divine dwelling place, but the other translation is a sacred abode. What he's saying is that your body is a sacred abode for the Spirit of God. Yes. 
God lives on the inside of you. The king of kings lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's who's residing on the inside of you. And he says, I need you to know. Listen, you were so, you, I loved you so much, not just to bring heaven to you, not to just bring you to heaven, but to bring heaven inside of you. You are a sacred abode of the Spirit. It's what he's trying to get her to understand. And once we get that revelation that you are a sacred abode of the Spirit of God, he comes back in the text in Ephesians and he says this. Look what he says in the next verse. Verse 3 and 4. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking. The traditional King James says coarse jesting, which are out of place, but rather what you should do is forgiveness. All right, it got tight real quick. All right, he flipped the script. He, he said here, but among you, there should not be any hint of sexual immorality is what he starts with. The word sexual immorality is translated in two words in the English, but in the original, in the Greek, it is one word, and that word is pornea. Is where we get our English word. You can figure it out. I think it's kids in here. You can put the two together. It's the English word. It is this idea of pornea. It's a commerce word. It's a word used in commerce. It literally means to sell off. It means to surrender. In other words, what he's saying is, you are so holy to me. You are such an, a, 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 a holy and a sacred dwelling place that you shouldn't sell off your purity just because there is a desire, just because there's an opportunity for it. You are holy to me. And so this is what he said. Can you live into this? He said, it, it, look, our house if we let you rent our house, you can't go and sell my house because you don't own it. What he's trying to say is that you don't own it. You are a dwelling place. And I love you so much. It's to, I don't want you to sell off that which I have put in you for something that is worthless. So that's what he's saying, too. Even with greed, he's saying don't sell your desires off to be greedy. When I have something more powerful, more weighty for you, why? Because you are a sacred abode in the eyes of the king. And there are many people who struggle in this area. And I want you to know that God is not going to leave you in that area where you're struggling. He's going to pursue you with his love. And because you're the right standing with God, you have the opportunity to get the forgiveness and access the grace that you need in the time to help you, whatever you're struggling with, because you are a sacred abode of the spirit. So not only is he calling us to live selflessly, He's calling us to live sacredly, but it's not just to be children of love, but he's also calling us to be children of light. Let's go back into the text. Look what he says here. Paul says in verse 8, for you were once darkness. I'm like, dang, Paul. He didn't say like you had a little darkness. You knew a little bit. He said, y'all busters with straight up darkness. Okay, Paul. All right. For you were once darkness. But now you are light 
in the Lord. Everybody say, I am light in the Lord. He said, live as children of the light for the fruit. Now, this Greek word fruit is the Greek word karpos. Karpos can be translated result or it can be translated the stream where two life sources come together. The picture is the, the fruit that you have is a result of you having a life force coming from someone higher and greater than you. We see this used in John 15. There is a branch and there is a vine. Apart from the vine, the branch can't do not near nothing because there's a life source. He's saying there's a life source of light that lives and that flows through you. And as a result, he says, is goodness. Can we go back to the scripture real quick? He said, is goodness, is righteousness, thank you, and is truth. And he says, find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. He says, but rather expose them. The word expose in the Greek, it literally means to bring to light. It doesn't mean that you are the exposing police. That every time you go around somebody, oh, I know I sniffed it in the spirit. I see darkness. No, no. That's not anointed. That is annoying. You ain't got to do all that. The spirit living you, but you ain't got yeah. 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 You don't have to, and this is the thing, be pointing out everybody else's darkness, but oblivious in the mug to the own darkness that you have in your life. That ain't what he said. He said this word means to bring to the light. Have you ever been, and this happened to me multiple times, you know, people have a conversation, I walk up, now they cussing like a bug. They going in, bleep, 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 bleep. Then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, my bad, man. I'm like, keep the party going. You ain't heard me. I didn't heard way more worse than this. But it's that light that shows up. I remember when I was in undergrad, um, I was, uh, got invited. So I actually have a biology degree, which is a long story. But... <laughs> I was one of two students that got invited to this endocrinology society annual meeting in New Orleans. And um, there were other, you know, undergraduates from across the country. And so we all were there as, you know, researchers and professors are sharing their work. And we got room with people that we didn't know. So I got room with this one brother. I never met him, never seen him. He don't know me. So I was like, what up? Cool. Boop, boop, boop. And so this is like Sunday, Monday. You know, back in them days, before I had kids, before I was married, I'd get up and I'd read my Bible for an hour. I'd pray for an hour. i put my, I did, back then I had my Walkman, I had the cassette tape. I listened to the cassette tapes of the Word of God, okay? <laughs> so I'm like, we in New Orleans, I'm going to do my regular. So I would get up early, I don't know, five, six. Um, he would sleep, all good, there's no condemnation. I would just get up and do my thing. And then here's the thing, I would get up and I would go into the bathroom quietly. I didn't have to get up like, let me tell you, John 3.16, I'm reading my word. He's trying to sleep. I don't care about darkness. No, I wasn't that. So I just went in the bathroom. I would do this every day. So this is like Wednesday, Thursday. I come back into the room. It's like a lunch break, so I'm just chilling in the room. He comes back in the room, and he stops me. He was like, man, I'm a Christian. I'll be seeing and hearing you get up every day in the morning. And he said, I got this, 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 this happening in my life. Will you pray for me? Yes, sir. We began to pray and believe for God to move powerfully in his life. And now here's the thing. It wasn't like I was all that. It was God's light 
that illuminate it, that brings those things that are dark to the forefront so his light can love it into where it needs to be. But I didn't have to go around and say, I get up at five in the morning. You still sleep? I didn't have to get up. It wasn't none of that. It was, see, he is the one who brings the true illumination. When you are living out what he's called us to live, he will bring the super on your natural to where it becomes supernatural light in those dark places. And you have been called to go into dark places and to bring the light of Jesus and the kingdom of God. But the exposing was to bring it to the light. And the one who was really brilliant will begin to shine in those dark places. All right. Y'all still with me? Yeah. All right. Thank you, B. All right. Now, I forgot where I was. Now, I got excited on that little part. <laughs> it's all good. Technology is a gift from God to make sure I know where I am in my preaching. I ain't got to remember none of everything and none. All right, now, we go back into the text, verse number 15. Look what he says. He says, therefore, he says, see then. Now watch this. Because you have this light, because you have, um, uh, you, 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 you have the light, you're becoming, you're imitating God. He says, now, see then that you walk, peripateo circumspectly not as fools but as wise the word circumspect the, 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 I love the Latin of these two words the word circum means around spec means to look so walk circumspectly means to look around it means that you're walking to look around it's like being at, at a dog park but people didn't pick up the stuff that the dogs put out and so as you walk in you walk in circumspectly <laughs> you ain't gonna get on my shoes not my new J's uh uh-uh. uh right that is circumspectly you are walking, looking around, but what am I walking, looking around for? Look what he says. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now watch this. He says, walk, looking around, circumspectly, redeeming the time. The word redeeming is a powerful Greek word. It's, a, it's a, a, a business word, exchange word. The word redeeming in the Greek, it literally means to take full advantage of, to seize a buying opportunity. The, the, like the literal of those words is like to buy out of the marketplace. But now hold up. He's saying that we need to walk looking around so that we can buy back or take full advantage of or seize what? The time. The time. The time. What what is time? There are two dominant Greek words used to describe time. One is chronos or chronos, which is where we get our English word chronology. This is singular, linear, measurable time. That's not what he uses here. He uses a different Greek word, kairos or kairos, which literally means an opportune time, a suitable time, the right moment, 
the favorable time or the time to when God just moves. It wasn't on the calendar. It wasn't expected. It's a God in moment and God encounters. So what is he saying here? He's saying because you have this light, because you're walking out of your right standing, he says, I want you to look around you. Why? Because I'm going to be arranging God moments for you. I'm going to be arranging God encounters for you. I'm going to be arranging divine appointments for you to take full advantage of because you're showing up mimicking me you're copying me you're walking with this light and there are an abundant the harvest the harvest is plenteous but the laborers need to walk looking around for the opportunity to seize it for God's kingdom and he's saying, when you walk circumspectly, and this is why he wants us in those earlier verses, this is why he told us, like, look, lay aside the sexual immorality. Lay aside the greed. You know why? Because when you're experiencing those things, you become so conscious of your sin and how you're missing it that it, it, it almost makes you, 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 you lose, in some ways, the ability to see all that God has around you yeah. right now. Remember in the Old Testament, the prayer was for the servant to open his eyes. Why? Because there were angels that were already encamped around. It was just like, can't you open your eyes to see? And God is arranging, I believe, Kairos moments for us to take full advantage of. Will you expect it to happen? There are these Kairos suitable moments in times that we can take full advantage of. All right. But not only are we to be children of love, we're to be children of light, and he ends it right here, that we should be children of the song. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you've got to understand, Ephesus at this time, the, the, one of the gods that was worshipped the most in Ephesus was Diana, Artemis. In the way, one of the ways in which people worshipped Diana was by being inebriated or intoxicated. Because it was this thing where they thought if you got so drunk with alcohol, you would have this supernatural experience with God. Paul is saying, it don't work like that. He's saying you don't need to be inebriated or filled or intoxicated with alcohol, but he says you need to be filled with the Spirit. This word filled in the Greek, it means to be filled to the brim. The example that I've used for years is a cup that's empty, and you fill it up with water to the brim, and that is a picture of this, this Greek word of being filled, and that is a good example. And there are more expensive ways to think about being filled. Pastor Alvin Key, thank you. Give it up for Pastor Alvin, please. Thank you, thank you. Being filled is also the picture of this glove in and of itself is pretty useless. I mean, I can use it to shovel. I can use it to dig up stuff. I can use it if it gets cold outside. Lord, please let it get a little cooler. I can use it if it gets cold outside. I can use it for a myriad of reasons, but now watch this. In and of itself, it has very little to no utility. But the idea of being filled is when my hand comes into the glove, 
it feels the glove. So now, wherever my hand goes, the glove goes. Whatever my hand does, the glove does. Why? Because the glove is filled with my hand. Well, what he is saying is be filled with the Spirit. So wherever you go, the Spirit goes. When you pray, the Spirit prays. When you lay hands, the Spirit prays. When you walk in there, the Spirit walks in. Why? Because I am filled with the Spirit. That's part of the living that I'm exuding because of who I am and what I have in him. So he says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says here in verse 19, I'm finna close right here, verse 19. He says, speaking to one another. In the Greek, it's actually speaking to yourself. Speaking to yourself in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for the all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. He says that you're so filled, part of what happens is you start speaking to yourself. You start singing to yourself. Now get this. In the book of Exodus, the children of Israel have been through plagues. They were enslaved and in bondage and oppressed. They were facing a Red Sea that opened up in, a, in chapter 15, verse number one. On the other side, what is the first thing they start doing? They open up their mouth and begin to sing to the Lord. Why? Because when you begin to praise God, when you begin to worship God, when you begin to make a melody in your heart, you tap into a spiritual force of heaven that begins to empower you in a way that you can do on your own. And so the Bible says in Psalms 34, when we praise God, it, be, it makes us magnify him. Magnify. Remember in third grade, you had your magnifying glass? When you magnify something, it makes it bigger. When you praise God, it magnifies magnifies him and makes him bigger than your problems, makes him bigger than your fears, makes him bigger than your frustrations, makes him bigger than your failures, makes him bigger than what you thought you could do because you have exalted him and you've made him bigger. And the psalmist said he inhabits, he dwells in the praises of his people. Oh, but John said there is coming a time when people are going to worship him in spirit and truth. And now peep this. He said this. The Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. God is seeking you. God wants to meet with you. God is in love with you. But when you begin to sing a song, when you begin to lift your hands in worship, lift your hands in praise, it don't matter what devil in hell is trying to come near you. They can't stop a child of the king who's empowered with the praise and the worship from on high so sing a song speak to yourself because you are a child of love you are a child of light and you are a child of the song Woo! glory mm. all right I gotta go hope you got something out of that let's pray Lord, we thank you right now for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your peace. Lord, anybody who's struggling in any of those areas, Lord, just overwhelm them with your love. Overwhelm them with your goodness. Overwhelm them with your peace. I thank you for this word that you've sealed it in our hearts and you've spoken and you continue to speak to each one of us in a unique and powerful way. Lord, we thank you 
We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.